Well, I'm not running a little bit late tonight, so I've got to empty my pockets or I'll be playing with everything that's in them while I'm, while I'm preaching or teaching or whatever it is the Lord's called me to do tonight. So, there we go. I want to do something a little bit different. I already mentioned Bible school. And some of you know me, so this probably won't surprise a lot of you, but some of you are new. You don't know me real well. I'm pretty much a big old dork, and so I'm probably going to prove it tonight. And with that, Bible school's supposed to be fun, right? But as we as adults, how many are we working in Bible school? Let me see a show of hands. We as adults can't be fun. Are the children going to have any fun? No, they're not. So just a little encouragement tonight to be yourself. Uh, <clears throat> please repeat after me just as if you were repeating after a drill sergeant in the army. Oh, soldier. Oh, soldier. <laughs> no, 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 that's too weak. Come on. If you were, if you were marching and you were, you, oh, soldier. What was uh, one of your favorite songs from Bible school? What is it? Come on. Somebody's got a favorite song from Bible school when you were in Bible school. Cool. Any others? Jesus loves me. Any others? Father Abraham had many sons. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a classic. Any others? Mine was the Lord's army. I will never march in the infantry. Amen. So let's try it again. And sound off. Be yourself. Argue with your husband. Argue with your wife. You know, you wouldn't be quiet. Right? When you go at it, you go at it. So here we go. We're going at it with Satan tonight. Oh, soldier. Oh, soldier. Oh, soldiers. Grab your Bibles, follow me. I'm in the Lord's army. If I die on the battlefield, wrap me up and carry me home. Lay my Bible on my chest. Tell my Lord I did my best. Tell my Lord my very best. You know what? I love that. I used to do that when I was a kid in Bible school. It's lasted decades. It's lasted decades. So that's the opportunity we have. We have Bible school in a couple of weeks. Teachers, workers, just those that are out helping, love on them. Because we are the only picture of Jesus they may see in their entire life. So, anyway, that's my advertisement for Bible school. I'm done. I told you I was a dork. My wife will let me know tonight. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Well, I don't know a whole lot of things. I'll just be quite honest with you. I'm not a smart man. Um, but I think I know everything the Lord wants me to know as long as I stay in His Word and I listen to His Spirit. He'll lead me, right? And He'll lead each one of you. And uh, it doesn't matter what your IQ is. I praise the Lord for that because mine's subterranean. That's probably not even a word. But, uh, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I love being a Christian. I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm excited about being a Christian. And I kind of want to relay that to you tonight through the life of Peter as we um, um, make a comparison between ourselves and Peter. Because I think a lot of Peter's in each and every one of us. And um, um, just to, as a lead-in, I know how it's going to end for me. I know how my life's going to end. Every one of us want to know that, right? We don't want to really know when, day, hour, and minute, but how, you know how it's going to end for me, and I learned this from being on vacation uh, with my wife and, and, and my girls. What's probably going to happen to me is they're going to unplug the machine that's keeping me alive so they can plug their cell phones in. <laughs> Everybody's looking for that USB, right? We're carrying a phone to court or some sort of device and plugging it in. So uh, I think that's exactly what's good. I, I just, I, I had that premonition. I kind of felt that coming. And uh, uh, hopefully I go peacefully while they're on Facebook. <clears throat> Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22. I actually saw that on a towel down in Texas when we were out shopping in some people that wanted a bunch of money. That seems to be the case everywhere you go anymore, right? <laughs> Luke chapter 22, if you would look there with me real quickly in verse 31. And notice here, if your Bible's a red letter edition, uh, uh, this, is, this is in red. It's a conversation between Simon. Who is Simon? Who do we know Simon as? That's right. That's, the Lord changed his name to Peter. And, and uh, what does Peter mean? Rock. Now don't get that. And I think the, the pastor did a good job of explaining Peter's not the rock on which he'd build his church. The Lord, our, our Heavenly Father, is building the rock on the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the rock that, 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 that uh, the church is built on. Now, as we get into this in, 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 in Luke chapter 2 and verse 31, let's look there. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, or Peter, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And then Jesus says, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Man, that is vintage Peter, isn't it? If you know anything about his personality, who he was... Man, he's, already, he's ready to jump into anything, both feet first. It's just who he was. Not necessarily anything wrong with that. I wish we had a lot more people that were ready to jump in and get busy and get after it. Make some mistakes along the way like Peter did. There's nothing wrong with that. We're going to do that. But he goes on and says there in verse 33, And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And then the Lord says, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, 
The cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, once again coming before your throne, I just want to ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word, Lord. Just hide me, Lord, behind the cross, Lord. Uh, fill me, Lord, with the Spirit as I speak, Lord, that I won't search my own mind, but, Lord, that I'll be uh, your spokesman tonight. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Relating to Peter, first we meet him at the Sea of Galilee with his brother Andrew in Matthew 4.18 when Jesus asked them to, hey, throw down the fishing rods and come follow me. What did they do? We'll be there tomorrow, Lord. No, Peter didn't. Peter jumped in, both feet first, followed Jesus. He and Andrew both. Next, at the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, at his confession when he says, when Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. Next, we can all relate to this one. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 24, we see Peter going to pay taxes. Going to pay taxes. March 15th. Is that it? Is it April 15th? Which is it? April 15th. Must have been April 15th on this day. It was time to go pay the taxes. And we see Peter uh, at the command of Jesus going to pay taxes. Then Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, we see Peter inquiring of Jesus, How many times should you be willing to forgive a man or to forgive a woman? And Jesus' response was, and, and Peter even asked, is it seven times? And Jesus' response, no, it's seven times, 70. 490 times we should be willing to forgive somebody if they ask us for forgiveness. Now, if you're in my Sunday school class, you know that one of my pet peeves are uh, when you've done something wrong, the right response to that is not, I'm sorry. The right response to that is, please forgive me, because that demands a response from that one that you've offended. And, and that's just, if you're in my class, that's just something I, pr I preach all the time. That way, that relationship has a better chance of being restored and there not being any bitterness down the road if that person has to respond <clears throat> as Christ did with forgiveness for us. Next we see Peter questioning Jesus in response to a statement by Jesus about the limitations of man to save himself in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27. And the conversation uh, paraphrased is... Can a man, how can a man save himself? And with man, that is what? Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We need to be inquisitive every once in a while, don't we? We need to look at what we're reading. Think about it. Churn on it. There's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of things right there that will help us get over ourselves. Amen? And oftentimes, I've found it with me anyway, I'm the big stumbling block in my way. Whether it be hard-headedness, whether it be ignorance, 
But we need to be inquisitive as we see Peter right here. Now we find ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 37. When Jesus wants the support of those that are with him as he prays. And where do we find Peter during this time? He's with him, but what's Peter doing? He's sleeping. I can relate to that. There's, there's some lazy bones in this side of skin. You know, when I should be working and I'm not, I'm worried about me and maybe not others. Being worried about others, that's a good place to be. They're good. What's going on with them? What's happening in their lives? Where are they at spiritually? But Peter, he chose to sleep. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 51, we find Peter defending Jesus with a sword, cutting off the ear of the servant of the priest as they come to arrest him. Verse 58, right after that, where's Peter's location? The Bible says he's afar off. He puts some distance between him and his Savior. Now, think about this. Peter has already acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of the living God. And now he finds himself afar off, not wanting to be close. Situational, right? Jesus has been arrested. Finds himself wanting to be afar off. In all these, verse 69 <clears throat> of chapter 26 of Matthew, we find him denying his association with Christ to others. And it's so often the case that's where sin leads us. That when we put a little distance in between us and Christ, yeah, we don't want to be associated with him. We want to be ourselves. We want to be seen for who we are as a human being. Eh, maybe being a Christian in this certain situation is not the best place to be. It doesn't help me out. And then uh, next in, in verse 75, and you all know the scene, we find Peter weeping bitterly in regret of his own spiritual failure. <clears throat> next we, we can identify character flaws leading to a lot of his failures. Matthew 26 and verse 33, we see Peter's conceit, uh, lack of humility. We see his lack of focus when he was there in the garden, couldn't stay awake one hour and, and pray with the Lord. In, in chapter 26 and verse 40, we already covered. We see, as I've already discussed, his rashness, his, his willingness just to jump off and, and get off into something before he kind of surveys the situation in John 18, uh, verses 10 and 11. Uh, we see his desertion of Christ in chapter 26. We see his evil associations with sinners around the fire, uh, which led to him denying Christ. And then uh, we see his blasphemy in Mark chapter 14, verses 70 through 71. 
That's the life of Peter, and I think each and every one of us, we can relate to Peter because we've had those certain situations in our lives, if we're willing to admit it, and that have controlled our spiritual life in such a way that we have stories to tell that maybe we don't like to tell, but sometimes we need to, to relate to somebody. And then next, after we look at Peter, I want to look at relating to Satan. And there's a particular point I want to make here. And I know as at looking back, I'm 60 years old this year. I'll be 61 in December. I've taught a lot of Sunday school. I've taught a lot of junior church in my life. Uh, big classes, small classes. But I think if I could look at a failure, and those that are in my class will understand this too because I've, I've covered this point in trying to make Genesis real for them, is that a lot of times when we approach teaching, sometimes we fail in making it more than a story and turning it into history, His story. We do a lot with Genesis, Daniel in the lion's den, and in each one of our lives, if we can't come to the reality that from Genesis to Revelation, this is complete truth, heavy on the complete. We have everything uh, that God wants us to have to know all we need to know about Him right here. We have that, and in this truth, it's totally historical. People laugh at me, they, especially at work, uh, the engineers, I work with some scientists, and I make the point that the Earth's a little bit older than 6,000 years since the creation. Now, depending on your theory of creation, I take it literally. I take it literally, and I have the lineage of mankind from Adam to Jesus Christ. Where? In this history book. You can, you can pull it from there. So in that, <clears throat> I, uh, I, want, I want, them, I, I want it to, to come alive in such a way that it's more than just a story that we're relating to children, but it's, it's actual history. And we need to come to grips with that because we live in a world that says that I'm foolish, that I'm childish because of what I believe about God's Word. I live in a time when some preachers and pastors will teach that no, Randy, that's not right. There's a big old gap. There's a big old gap between creation and then man of millions and millions and billions of years. The only reason they add millions and billions of years because there's no other way to prove the theories that they have that you come from a monkey. And so in that, the point I'm trying to make here is that Satan's not real in a lot of our minds and hearts tonight. And he's definitely not real out there when people paste him on their shoulder in a big green tattoo. It's just a figment. We have to understand he's real. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle or more, uh, the, 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 the Hebrew word here is arum. He's more crafty, more sly than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. 
When we see there, he's a creation. He's a created being. Notice that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, Satan can turn on the charm. Think about the conversation, and we may come back to this again, but think about the conversation between Eve and it, that scripture, it says serpent, but Satan. Think about that conversation. She didn't fear him. She was willing to have a conversation with him. You ever thought about that? Eve and Satan right here. Having a conversation, talking together. I have no idea what God revealed to her about what Satan's history was and being cast out of heaven because he vaunted himself against God. I, one of these days, that's for glory for that to be explained to me. But oftentimes, I think we're in that same boat and we invite Satan in a little bit and we're pretty comfortable with him being in our house, being around us, whether it be through media whether it be through uh, alliances that we make with certain people that do not, that are not saved, let me put it that way. That just keeps it plain and simple and cut out. I'm talking close relationships. We've got to deal with people out in, <clears throat> out in the world. I understand that. You know, the, the, the lady at the Walmart uh, when I buy groceries, um, the guy behind the counter at the auto parts store, the, the, the men and the women that I deal with out at Tinker, we're going to be around them, but how much influence do you allow them to have in your mind and in your life's purpose? And how much time do you give them? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, Satan can turn on the charm and no marvel or marvel not, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Angel of light. But all too often, we won't recognize that because he's not real. That's a story we heard back in grade school. That's a story we heard in the three and five years old, this, this devil, this, this, this snake. He is a deceiver requiring us to always be diligent. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. There's such thing as being willingly ignorant. And that's what our culture today has created is a willingness of ignorance about who Satan really is. For believers, for believers, we just, there's there's a sense that you know this is just he's just something out there. You know he, you know he's the reason it's so hot outside. You know he he's dancing around in hell in the flames with these horns and his this 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 tail. No, no, he's right in front of you a large portion of your day, but you're just not willing to admit it because you don't believe it. You really don't have a true grasp on reality. <clears throat> but 
You two in many ways are like Peter and can probably relate more than you wish to admit. I'm sure Peter had desires of success uh, before he met Jesus in the fishing business. We know that one other time he, he was ready to go a-fishing and go out and cast his nets out. But I believe when he was uh, as a businessman in the fish business, he probably had... Uh, uh, some desires of growing his business to where he wasn't the one casting the nets, but that he was hiring people to cast them nets and multiple boats that he could send out from the shore and say, hey, those are my boats. But one day Jesus intervened and said, follow me. And Peter did in a single moment. We make a big deal and I talk a lot about my class. I love my class. I've got a little dot on the wall in there that I made with a Sharpie. Just one little dot. Most of you wouldn't be able to go in there and find it. That dot in there represents a moment, a single moment in time. And those single moments in time affect a lot of our lives. I had a brother at 16 years old because of a car wreck at a moment in time passed away. And it changed my mom and dad's life completely. They were Easter and Sunday goers at that Easter and Christmas goers to church at that time. After that, the surrender that came from that moment in time of losing that son, Gerald Lee Nutt, their life was totally get dedicated to Jesus Christ. And let me also say dedicated to the church because they knew Jesus Christ loved the church and gave His life for it. <clears throat> Peter... He had faults, but he also had strong points. I would dare say, and you can correct me after the service, but each and every one of you in here tonight have faults. At least one. If you want the longest list, talk to my wife. But we all have at least one. I can guarantee it because you're a sinner. And I say that boldly because I know it to be true because the Bible says so. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Peter also had his strong points. And let me tell you tonight, Bible school coming up, each and every one of you have strong points. You have something you can relate to the children that will be in our Bible school that can lead them, that could tempt them to want to know who Jesus Christ is. You need to find that. You need to let that light shine. This little light of mine, man, I'm hooked on the songs tonight. I'm going to let it shine, not only in here, not only out in the world. Let those children see that light as you love on them and, and tell them about Jesus Christ. Peter had his peaks and his valleys. Don't we each have our peaks and our valleys? Good times and bad times, up and down. In Luke chapter 22, <clears throat> verse 31, we recognize now that Peter is human. And in verse 31, Jesus tells Peter, Satan hath desired to have you. You know what? I want to get down here. I want us all on the same level. Satan hath desired to have you. That's something else each and every one of us have in common with Peter. Seth, I look at him, 
Bible college, leading to singing on Wednesday nights. Man, teaching my class when I'm gone. You know what? Satan desires to have him. Old Randy, 60 years old, not much time left. Satan desires to have me. Satan desired to have Peter for himself, not just to render him useless in the work of the ministry, but as a tool to go on the offensive in an insurgent against God. And he knew Peter sort of had the inside track walking with Jesus. You know, you got the same inside track. You got more than what Peter had sitting in your lap. Sitting on your iPhone. Yeah. Satan knows if he can have you, he can do more damage to God's church than anybody outside this church could have. And he goes on to say in verse 31, uh, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And I... Looked at my wife's little sifter, you know, and putting flour through it. I just don't think that's what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about a, <clears throat> a big old sieve that you put that weed on and allowed them kernels to fall through. He wanted to separate Peter into pieces. You know, the best way to win a battle is to divide the army. That's what he did. To, that's what happened to Custer. Custer made a decision to divide his army, and it was detrimental to winning the campaign. He was destroyed. His regiment was destroyed because he divided. A couple of applications here. Sift us as a church, or any church. Let's take us out of the equation. Any church. If he can take you and divide the pieces by sifting you, then he's won already. How does he keep, we keep him from doing that? Is we make a decision not to let it happen. Conscious decision. Chucky probably remembers that. That was a big thing when I was in the, in, in, at the junior high. Conscious decisions are so important. They're just as important as those moments in time. But to sift, shake in a sieve, figuratively here, by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. <clears throat> Jesus said he was praying for Peter that his faith would be strong. That's what Satan wants to break. That's what you need to guard, is your faith. What do you believe? Is your faith weak because you're not really sure what you believe? Why is that? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray regularly? Are you self-disciplined in your spiritual life for the Lord? <clears throat> it might be where you live at tonight, on the verge of being ready to taste Chase the dream of the current culture is what I have written here. I hear this term culture war. I mean, I've heard that, culture war. We're in a culture war right now. Everything's going on. <clears throat> you know what? 
There's been a culture in every generation, in every time period, in every epoch, if you want to put it that way. There's been, a, there's been a culture in each one of those. Maybe some not as far as ours have gone due to technology, but it's always been there. And believers have to make a decision, a conscious decision, that I'm going to follow the Lord no matter what. No matter what. <clears throat> Five years from now, I have no idea what AI is going to do to gatherings like this. Me, I'll know what AI is. What is it? Artificial intelligence. Let me tell you what, in the job that I'm doing now, it is one of the greatest threats in the entire world, even more than nuclear. Not trying to scare you. Not trying to make you, oh, what's going to happen? What's, what's this AI? Everybody's going to be out of church. Artificial intelligence, what is it? Yeah, you should be. You ought to know. Because it's coming. And it's coming fast. And the same theme as it was during the Judges, where Satan wants to maneuver us, is what we see in the Judges, every man did that which was right in what? His own eyes. See, y'all know the word. You really do. Every man sought to do what was right in his own eyes. Right is not in the eyes of man. Right is in the eyes of the creator of man. Right can only be found in following the Holy Spirit, being skillful in His Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. It's where, it's where we're missing the boat. We've made the conscious decision to put buffers against the current culture that's out there, the, uh, the different things that happen. But if you look generationally, uh, look at my generation, yeah, we brought us here, but the next generation, what? Takes it a little bit further. The next generation takes it a little bit further. Now we have parents of six, seven, and eight-year-olds that want to allow their children to be mutilated because they want to be a girl today. Or they want to be a boy today. I want to break our hearts. Because that's where we're at. Is it a failure of the church? Partially. But it's also, you know, there's a plan. There's a plan in place. And it's going to get worse right up to the rapture when we're all taken out. And yeah, we can, we're not called to sit back and watch for the rapture, but we are to understand that it's coming. And the Bible says, Paul said, understanding the times. And you can read Second Peter, Second Timothy chapter 3 and can give you a, a detailed list of what the world will be like. And we're there. We're there. 
Peter, in chapter 22 and verse 32, was so proud he didn't consider his own vulnerabilities. Now, every, every colonel or general that's worth his salt, as much as looking at what he can do on the offensive, must look at his vulnerabilities as well. He has to watch his flank, his backside, ensure that he's not attacked from the rear to spoil his offensive plans as he moves forward. Peter, with a little pride probably, he didn't consider his own vulnerabilities. If you look there in verse 32, he says, Jesus says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Then he goes on there in verse 33, Peter's response, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee to the death, both into prison and to death. Peter's ready to jump off here. He's not looking at the whole picture. We neither need to be overconfident or what I really think the right term is, is naive. We are a naive generation as to what's going on out there in the world. Almost to the point of foolish. <clears throat> it's easier than you think to abandon or deny Christ for what you think you deserve or entitled to. Lord, I never thought my life was going to be like this. I'm entitled. I deserve something better. No, you don't. I'm reminded of the chief every time. Chief, how you doing? What's his response? Better than I deserve. It's the absolute truth. You have better than what you deserve. That poorest child in Africa has it better than he deserves. That's pretty harsh, Randy. Yeah, he deserves hell just as much as I do because of the fall of man, the garden. Back to that point I made earlier. While Eve had an open conversation with Satan, underestimating what he could do. You are no different than Peter. I am no different from Peter. And it is present in uh, every culture, especially today's entitlement culture, Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast, uh, shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter fell hard, but when he was reminded, he shed some bitter tears as that cock crow and remembered who was at his side from what Jesus said to him in verse 32, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And I think Peter immediately remembered that Jesus told him just, just not too long before this that 
Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith not fail. I think it just overcome and overwhelmed Peter. But the great thing behind this whole thing is after Christ is gone, He's came and He's spent some time with His disciples. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Now, those of you that are not totally familiar with Scripture, uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts are the Acts of the... and the Apostles which were uh, going out to start churches. But here... <clears throat> In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, this is Peter. This is, man, this is, this is vintage Peter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Two things I want you to notice here right quick. They were all with one accord. Man, they were all getting along. Man, the church was getting along together. Everybody was happy. People were talking to each other. Uh, during the third song of the song service, they were walking around shaking hands, letting each other know that they were glad to be there and they were glad that everybody else was there. They were in one accord. They had a great attitude. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, Somebody define for me real quick cloven. Divided. <laughs> Divided, split in two. I am so impressed. It's a verb. I've always looked at it as a, as a as some type of adjective, uh, but it's not. It's a verb. It's, it's split or divided. What is being split and divided here? This is so good. It was just a big old light bulb coming on above my head uh, the other night when I was looking at this. What's divided here? These people are all divided. Why are they divided? Because they speak different languages. Hello? And these tongues were divided so that they could speak these languages. Because we, the reason that is so important is what do we have today in the charismatic movement and when it comes to tongues? These tongues weren't divided uh, teaching or saying or doing things that was inaudible, that couldn't be understood. Look at the rest of this. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Not tongues that couldn't be understood. We'll pay attention here. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, number one, Jews. Probably their dominant language was Greek right here. But a lot of them spoke Hebrew. Devout men, out of what? Every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and, and were confounded because that every man through these split tongues of fire, that every man heard them speak in his own language. Skip down to verse 14. One of the greatest words in the Bible, three letters. But! But! Peter... Where did we last see Peter? He was weeping. He was beaten. He was down. 
The cock had crowed. He had denied Jesus three times. But Peter, standing up, is he still alone? Remember when he was by that fire? He was with sinners. He was all alone. Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that, sh that death should be holding of it. Look at Peter now. Boy, I'm glad you're only not sitting on the front row. <laughs> look at Peter now. He was at the lowest ebbs of his life. Now look at him. He's becoming somebody. Not in the eyes of mankind. He's somebody in the eyes of God. And you know what? You're no different than Peter. God cares for you just as much as he did Peter. And he wants to bring you from that place where Satan wants you and bring you to where He wants you. God is no respecter of persons. And will do the same for each one of us that He did for Peter. Now Peter's last words, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, before he exited this life, uh, history tells us, crucified upside down. Why? Because he didn't deserve to be crucified in the same manner of his, as his Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You know what? He finished strong. And that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game for your spiritual life. Finish strong. Doesn't matter what's behind us. That's forgiven. Finish strong. Finish strong. Our issue today is uh, we not only need to relate to Peter in application, we must also understand the wiles of a crafty and sly Satan. As I said, Eve was comfortable talking with the created being Lucifer, and in a sense, so are you and I. And we need to recognize that. That's just, that's just truth. We don't see him for what he really is, a created real being. Just like Peter, Satan desires us and wants to uh, sift us. You know, pastor on Sunday nights <clears throat> is bringing the sermons on music. And He's talked about, and I've, quite honestly, I've caught him on Facebook, and Facebook hadn't worked real well. 
And so I've only sparsely heard a lot of the things that he said. But we need to be willing to recognize that Satan is alive and well in music. And Satan, he always uses, when he spoke with Eve, did he t give total falsehood when he spoke with Eve? No, he didn't. A little bit of truth. When he spoke with Jesus Christ, when he tempted him, when uh, Christ was in the wilderness, did he, what did he use? What did, what did Satan use? Satan used Scripture to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's, that's, in, that's in his toolbox. That's in his armor. That's what he wants to do. And quite honestly, I've done, admitted I'm not a smart man. I need to always be ready to look out and assess every situation I'm in. Is this from God or is this Satan wanting a, a toe in the door of my life? And <clears throat> I want you to notice tonight, I, I talk about our culture a lot and I talk about um, the way that we're being deceived Satan doesn't come out like, uh, what was that, that, that fighter that was short and stocky and mean? He's got that tattoo right here on his face. Tyson. He come out, and what was he? He was a, a, uh, a fighter that came out, and if he, if, he did, if he didn't knock you out in the first or second round, you had a pretty good chance because he came in with a knockout punch. You were going to get everything he had. He was going to throw uppercuts that would, that would knock your head off. Satan's not that away. Satan's patient. He's slow. I say that, and back to the argument of we really don't believe him to be real. I want you to notice something that I'm going to do mostly from memory. And it's not a good thing. Now, this particular songwriter and singer have nothing against him. He's been on TBS more than I have. He's been on Christian channels more than I have, given his testimony. Well, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind. He was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stock and said, Boy, let me tell you what. You may not have known it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. You play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name's Johnny, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet. You're going to regret because I'm the best there's ever been. Then, of course, there's a chorus. And then at the end of the song, well, that old devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, come on back if you ever want to try again. And then we know the rest of the song. Most of you were singing that right along with me as I was reading that or reciting that had an impact on my life as Robin and I, I actually when I thought about using this in my notes we were driving back home from Texas just 
trying to find something to fill the air and fill the time as I was speeding through Fort Worth, Texas, trying not to get caught. Forgive me, Lord. <clears throat> but that's our view of Satan. That's where we've come to. We can hear that song and it doesn't mean nothing. Satan's not going to jump up on a hickory stock. Satan's not going to offer a golden fiddle. He desires you, your life. We need to renew in our minds and in our consciousness of just exactly who Satan is and understand that, yeah, we are. We are in a culture war and we need to reassess our position in God's army and move forward rather than surrender or move back. Patton had a lot of faults, but he says, I'm never going to cover the same ground twice. I'm already taking it. I don't need to take it again. I'm moving forward. That's what each and every one of us need to do. We need to make a decision. We're going to move forward. And we're going to be everything that our Lord who died on the cross for each and every one of us wants us to be. Let's all stand. <clears throat> We bow our heads, the Bible says, confess your faults before men. And I sort of did that tonight in that song. And like I say, you know, I'll talk it over in heaven with, uh, I want to say Kenny Rogers, but that's not his name. What's his name? There we go. <laughs> Number of people knew his name, Charlie Daniels. So you just confessed your faults as well. <laughs> But with our heads bowed tonight, could we renew a commitment tonight in ourselves to weed Satan out of areas of our life that we know are, are wrong and, and we know that he's in it and we need to get rid of it? You know, it's such a blessing to see our church grow. But once again, in talking numerically, and it's also growing spiritually, and that's, that's the cool thing. But we don't need to lose the momentum that we have. And it's through the realities of God's Word that we keep that momentum. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for each and every one here tonight, Lord. With patience, Lord, listen. Tonight, as we looked at Peter's life and we looked at Satan, Lord, with an understanding, Lord, that Peter's life was real and Satan was just as, is just as real as Peter's life was, just as real as we are, and is active in the world around us and its history being made. Lord, we ask you to give us strength to help us keep on keeping on, Lord. And uh, keep our eyes on the prize, Lord. Keep our eyes on you. And to that moment, you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Just uh, thank you for uh, our pastor and his family, Lord. 
I ask you to watch over them, protect them, Lord. Be with the kids at camp, Lord. Just as I prayed earlier, Lord, just give them a, an unction through the Holy Spirit, Lord. A desire, Lord, to serve you. Keep us safe. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.